0: Uh, I'm thinking about the number of people in the book of Acts who made a difference in their world. And and the list is just quite long. The list starts with Peter. He made a difference in his world. Barnabas is next. Then Stephen. Then certainly Paul made a difference in his world. The point is one person can make a difference. Would you say that with me? One person can make a difference. I heard recently about a fellow who made a difference in his part of the world. Every year, Australia hosts a 543.7-mile endurance race from Sydney to Melbourne. This is a race only undertaken by uh, world-class runners who can endure The five day ultra marathon. They're usually young runners. They are especially trained for this race. They are backed by sponsors like Nike. But in 1982, a man named Cliff Young showed up at the starting line. He was 61 years old. He was wearing overalls and work boots. He was a single man, he was a farmer, he lived at home with his mother, and he shocked everyone by picking up a number and saying that he wanted to join the other runners in this race. And people told him that he was absolutely crazy for doing this. He could not finish this race, they said. And Clifford answered this way, yes, I can See, I grew up on a farm where we couldn't afford horses or tractors, and the whole time I was growing up, whenever the storms would roll in, I'd have to go out and round up the sheep. He said, we had 2,000 sheep on 2,000 acres. Sometimes I would have to run those sheep for two or three days. It took a long time, but I would always catch them. He said, I believe I can run this race. The other professional athletes, uh, they, they, they knew in their mind you had to run 18 hours a day and sleep six hours and then run some more. But Cliff didn't know that. When the morning of the second day came, everyone was in for a big surprise. Cliff was the only, uh, he wasn't only in the race still, but he had jogged all night long. And when asked about his tactics, everyone was just amazed to think that he, his plan was to run the race straight through without sleeping. And sure enough, he did. He inched closer to the leaders, just shuffling along. And uh, would you believe it, before the race was done, he was the one who crossed the finish line first before everybody else, setting a new course record. Now, he didn't know that there was a $10,000 prize for winning the race. And so he actually, when they gave him the money, he just dispersed it out amongst all the other runners, which endeared him to all of them. Uh, Since then, Cliff Young has had a memorial in his hometown made in his honor, a TV show, a movie, movie made about his life. Lots of runners no longer sleep during the race. They take his strategy, his style of running, called the Young Shuffle, uh, has caught on with other uh, ultra-marathoners and is actually thought to be the most efficient style of running in terms of energy usage. A 61-year-old potato farmer who liked to run uh, in work boots and overalls made a difference in his part of the world. Now, I was going to tell Tim Woodring, if he was here today, watch out, because I'm coming up behind him with the young shuffle. <laughs> My point is, one person can make a difference. And applying that to the Christian realm, one person can make a difference, especially when that one person has the Holy Spirit in them and is letting the Holy Spirit lead them. Now, that phrase that we all said together earlier, one person can make a difference, I want us to personalize it for a moment. Would you repeat after me? I can make a difference when the Holy Spirit is helping and leading me. And that is the truth. We're in Acts 27 and 28 today. We're actually going to finish the book of Acts today. And then two Sundays from today, the the Sunday after Thanksgiving, uh, I will be back and I will just draw some summary conclusions to this book that I think will be helpful uh, in putting it all together. I want to tell you about next Sunday just for a moment. I want to encourage you to be here Dusty is going to uh, lead us in a Thanksgiving service on Sunday morning, and it's, it's going to be a special time together, uh, through worship, through music, through reading of Scripture, and just a variety of components there, I think, that will, will put our mind towards the subject of Thanksgiving. So I just I want to ask you to be sure and come next Sunday. Before I get to looking specifically at the text for today and how Paul made a difference, let me mention something of interest to to me. Paul had a desire to go to Rome and preach the gospel. And that was made clear back in the 19th chapter of Acts. I want to read that to you. Chapter 19, verse 21 he says, now after these things were finished, Paul purposed in the spirit to go to Jerusalem after he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, saying, after I have been there, I must also see Rome. Okay, so it's, it's on his heart, it's in his mind, that he wants to get to Rome to preach the gospel. And, and that, in fact, is how he opens his book up. Uh, to the Roman Church, chapter 1 of Romans, verses 9 and 10. He says, uh, For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel of his Son, is my witness as how to unceasingly I make mention of you, always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. So, uh He's wanting to go to Rome, and and there's several times here in this chapter that that thought continues. Verse 11, he says, I long to see you. Verse 13, often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far. Verse 15, so for my part, I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. There is no doubt about it that Paul had his sights, he had his mind set on getting to Rome and preaching the gospel there. Well, he got his wish. But not in the way that he imagined. His intention was to go there on his own accord. But sometimes our plan and God's plan. Though it may have the same destination to that plan. Sometimes the way of getting to that destination just doesn't look the same. The way that Paul eventually got to Rome to preach the gospel is recorded for us in these two chapters which close out the book of Acts. You know how he got there? He got there as a prisoner of the Roman government. Does that sound familiar to you? This idea that that you have a plan and and sometimes your plan and God's plan doesn't always exactly look alike. It doesn't always happen the same as what we might have imagined our plan to be. We have a road map with a destination to it. And, and we're just confident of how we're going to get to that destination. But God's road map is different. There's some detours on that road map that he has our name on it. I, I was thinking about our recent vacation to, to Wisconsin. And, uh, uh, you know, we're, we're traveling along there in, in uh, southwest West Con- Wisconsin and central Wisconsin. And, and several times there were detour signs along the way. And one time we had a detour of about 75 miles because I missed the turn. But that, that road map that we have in our mind of how we're going to get to that destination, oftentimes it ends up being differently than what we thought. For instance, in our life, let's, let's just think about it this way. Uh, Lord, I want to grow Spiritually. And to do that, I know that I I need to read my Bible, and I need to pray, and I need to go to church, and and, and that's going to help me grow spiritually. And God says that's a good goal. Spiritual growth is is what I want for you too. So while you're working on reading your Bible and praying and going to church and doing those kinds of things, I, I do have a little detour for you. And the detour happens to take us through the fire. It's a test. It's a trial that burns out the impurities. And we, in that trial, amidst that test, what, what are we doing? We're calling upon God. God, help us. I need you. I can't do this by myself. And, and and along the way, we're, we're dying to self just a little bit more. And we're, we're just calling out to him day after day, hour after hour. And we come out of the fire on the other side. We've reached that goal that we have of spiritual maturity. But our getting there was just a little bit different way than what we had charted on our map. And I think that's exactly what's going on here with the Apostle Paul. He wants to get to Rome to preach the gospel. And he has in his mind how he's going to get to Rome. He's going to go to Jerusalem first and report in about his most recent mission missionary trip and how the churches are doing and the number of people who have come to Christ and they're going to rejoice together and he's going to recuperate and and then he's going to go on another missionary journey and Rome will be his destination. But it doesn't turn out that way for Paul. He gets to Rome, but it's by way of a jail cell and a Roman army escort. And just know that's, that's how life is. Along the way, there are detours. But through it all, we have to trust God. We have to hold on to Him. Now, leave that thought just for something extra for you to think about because that's really what it is. I want to talk to you today about Paul making a difference in people's lives. And I want to encourage you to be one who makes a difference, too, in people's lives. Let me give to you two ways That Paul made a difference in his world. He was able to be an encourager to people. Chapter 27 of Acts has a lot of action in it. There is a storm at sea that wouldn't let up. In fact, this was no little storm. Verse 14 calls it a violent wind. There is a word there that is unfamiliar probably to most all of us. It's called uroquillum. And that's, that's a word that was tacked on to this storm. That's what they called it. Uriquillo, which according to what I could find in my references, this was a northeast wind causing broad waves and violent agitation to the sea. I hear, I hear that word agitator or agitation, and, and my mind drifts to my washing machine, uh, that middle piece. And what's it called? an agitator and it violently is 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 turning against the water and that's what's going on in the ocean waters here the wind is violently disturbing them this was a monster storm that they are in paul and 275 others on a ship in the middle of this storm. And they have gone days upon days without food. 14 days, in fact, without food. Mainly because the sailors, they can't leave their position to, to eat. They are trying desperately just to, to survive this storm. They are trying to keep the ship afloat and hold it together. They're, they're just thinking about survival. In this storm. But it's come to a point by the end of this 14 day period, they've all about given up hope. This storm will not let up. And they are worn out and they are exhausted and they're going to die in their minds. And it was at this point that Paul steps in as an encourager. Let me read to you from chapter 27 of Acts, verses 33 through 37. Until the day was about to dawn, Paul was encouraging them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have been constantly watching and going without eating, having taken nothing therefore I encourage you to take some food for this is for your preservation for not a hair from your head of any of you will perish having said this he took bread and gave thanks to God in the presence of all and he broke it and began to eat all of them were encouraged and they themselves also took food all of us in the ship were 276 persons. Now, if you read this chapter to its end, all 276 passengers on this ship survived the storm. Now, the ship does not survive. They lose their ship, but their lives are not lost. And my point here is one Lone encourager can make a difference in a rather hopeless situation. And so my challenge to each and every one of you today would be that you would take on that role of being an encourager. Find those people who need encouraged. Open your eyes. Open your heart. Be willing to go and make a difference in those people's lives by speaking words of life to them. And those people are everywhere. They are right here in this room. They are a part of our church family. If you look around, you'll see some folks whom you know that are going through the fire. They are being tested in their life right now. And and it would be good for you to go to them in some way, whether it be in person or through a letter or a phone call. Uh, Be creative. Go to them in some way and be an encourager to them. Maybe those people who need encouragement are right there in your own family. I had a phone call this last week from a family member, an aunt. She was crying on the phone. She had a prayer need in her life for one of her grandchildren. and She's just calling different members of the family that she knows who pray. And she's saying, I need prayer. And so... One, I encouraged her by praying with her on the phone. I listened to what she had to say. I'll encourage her in the days ahead by touching in with her, keeping connected with her. Hey, how's Carly doing? I'm praying for her. There are people all around us who need encouragement. They're in our family, they're in our church, they're, they're at school, our classmates who are going through a hard time, people that we work with, people whom we uh, are in our neighborhood, people who are struggling. And they need for somebody to come alongside of them and give to them words of encouragement and those words that we speak to that person may be the difference between them giving up and giving in to the discouragement or maybe maybe through our words they'll decide to hold on longer to stay in there to keep looking up towards God words make a difference our encouragement makes a difference if if we can encourage somebody to stay in there until the storm clouds pass praise god for that and I, i'm sure that many of you if given the chance could stand up and give a testimony of a time where you were in the middle of the storm and somebody came to you and encouraged you in some special way you know how much that means. You know how important that is and, and, and the strength that somebody else can provide for you when, when you're in the storm and they come and they put their arm around you or they, they just bear you up. And we need to be that person that God uses to give encouragement to others, to the young people, to the, to the widow who's lonely, to the new Christian to the, to the person who's having health issues, to the person who is having marital stress, to your boss at work, To your Sunday school teacher who week after week after week is preparing lessons and and putting their time in to come and teach to you the Word of God. To your small group leader. To the youth minister who's helping you, who's doing his best to try and help you raise your young person for Jesus and to build faith into their lives. To your preacher. To your pastoral staff. To those who lead you in worship every Sunday. To your neighbor to the elderly saint who is in the nursing home. The list is on and on of those people who need our encouragement. One person can make a difference in so many other people's lives. God is calling you to be an encourager, Listen to the Scripture. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another just as you also are doing. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only those words which are good for edification, according to the need of the moment, that it may give grace to those who hear. You talk about a tough verse to live out. No unwholesome words to proceed from our mouth, but only those words that are good for edification and those words that give grace to others. Romans fourteen nineteen says, So then, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up, of one another. Romans 15.2 Each of us is to please his neighbor for his good to his edification. The Lord God is calling every single one of us to be encouragers to each other. You remember in Acts chapter 4, Joseph, who was from Cyprus. You remember Joseph? Maybe you'll recognize him by another name that the apostles gave him. You remember his other name? Barnabas. Barnabas. His his given name was Joseph. I think Barnabas was a nickname that the apostles gave him. Barnabas means son of encouragement. They gave him that name because every time they turned around... He was busy encouraging someone else. In chapter 4 of Acts, do you remember what was happening there? Barnabas had sold a piece of property. He'd taken the money and he brought it to the church leaders and said, distribute this to the poor. And so there he's, he's encouraging the impoverished people. He's encouraging the whole church. And then in chapter 9, the next time we see Barnabas, he's busy there encouraging A new convert, Saul. Chapter 15, Barnabas there is encouraging John Mark. Paul's kind of given up on him, but Barnabas hasn't. He's encouraging him. He's taking him under his wing, and he says, let's go on this missionary journey together. And off they go. He was an encourager. I think Paul might have, Learn something from Barnabas about that. He may have learned a lesson there in chapter 15 as he, as he, he was kind of taking the dark side of, uh, uh, of, of John Mark who had quit them on a previous missionary journey. And Barnabas encouraged him and helped him along and stirred him on to deeper faith. And think where we would be without John Mark. He wrote the Gospel of Mark. He, he was a strong follower of Jesus. And so, Paul begins to become an encourager. And something I learned from this. Encouragers beget encouragers. Think about that. Encouragers Beget encouragers. Barnabas encouraged Paul, and Paul turns around, and he is encouraging lots of people in his ministry. We need encouragers here to beget more encouragers. When you've been blessed by someone else, and you know how much that means to you, what it's done for you, then you are to turn around and be that blessing to somebody else. You become an encourager. You know what else I think is true? Hear me say this. Complainers beget complainers. Negativity begets negativity. And so rather than being a part of that kind of chain, why don't you start the chain of encouragement? And once you've started one chain of encouragement, then then look for an opportunity to start another chain of encouragement. And once you've started that one, then start a third one. And just keep on keeping on in this ministry of encouragement. What a blessing that could be to our whole church. Chapter 28 of Acts, Paul is healing people of their diseases. And so what I learned from that is, not only does encouragement come from words that we speak, but also it comes from things that we do. We're throwing a lifeline to people when we encourage them. Let me move on to the second point. We're talking about what a person can do to make a difference in other people's lives. We can encourage. And secondly, from Paul's example, this is what he did. He was a messenger of the good news. That's what he did to make a difference in other people's lives. And that's how the book of Acts ends. This last chapter in Acts, it ends with Paul sharing his faith with his fellow Jews in Rome. And you know what? Some are persuaded about Jesus and some are not. And the fact that not everybody was accepting the message of Jesus as the truth, that wasn't enough to stop Paul from sharing the message. He just kept on sharing the message. He would not be silenced. He understood that it was his job Simply to tell the message. It was not his job to do the convicting. It was not his job to do the saving. That's God's job. Our job is simply to tell the message. And that's what Paul was willing to do. uh, There's one other thing that would not stop him from sharing the good news. And that is the fact that he was in jail. He could have thrown a pity party. He could have become angry and bitter. He could have become despondent and given up. But he didn't let any of that happen. He didn't let his circumstances control him. Instead, he made the most of his circumstances and he shared the message with those people that were in his circle. And we find some pretty strong passages of Scripture more than one, that indicate that the number of those in the Roman army, their number was increasing who were becoming Christians. Why? Because Paul was sharing the message with them. Those soldiers that were chained to him, he was sharing the message with them. You, you, you might call that a captive audience. <laughs> Again, one person can make a difference. And so as we close here, I simply want to ask you, will you make a difference in other people's lives? Don't say that you can't make a difference. You can make a difference with His help. There's nothing that you can't do if He is living inside of you. So let me ask you, will you become an encourager? To people around you and will you be willing to share the message of hope with them? Let's pray together. God help us. Help us to be willing to make a difference in others' lives. Just to be used by you. That's really what we're talking about today. We in and of ourselves we're weak. We can't impact people that much just from ourselves, but with you inside of us, Lord, we can. So help us. Help us to be willing. And help us to hold on to you amidst the detours of life, to trust you to know that you are not going to abandon us amidst those detours. We thank you for that. And to even get to a point as this Thanksgiving season comes upon us, to get to a point where we can say thank you for some of those detours, Lord.